Right, we are live on another edition of the Edlow Podcast. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I have with me Ryan Dostart. I learned that, I just learned that today. We've been colleagues for I don't know how long, 12 years now, 13 years. You've been you you get you started a little bit before me, like a year or two before me as an attorney. Yeah, yeah. I started uh 2011 is when I passed the bar and uh started practicing law. Very end, December 2011. So yeah. yeah, we've been yeah, we've been neck and neck pretty much over a decade. Yeah, and I've been calling you Dough Start the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm glad we've been talking about doing this for a long time, and I'm glad we have because I find I find your your story is just so interesting. I mean, um, it, it's interesting because I think we have a, a similar background in that I don't think that you were always dreaming of becoming a personal injury attorney, and yet you've done it, and you've done it at a very high level for a really long time. And uh, and you even, I think, you know, uh, I think that it's important for people who are even in law school or considering law school to hear your story because you are a little bit like me and that you had to work your way through, you know, you, you know, you went to Lincoln law school, you know, and you're while you're still an incredibly successful person, um, you know, despite some of those challenges. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I it's kind of, it's kind of funny cause I tell, I, you know, I've got, I've got kids, you know, and, and, uh, um, my, my oldest daughter, it's interesting. She's kind of at, at a stage where she's, um, you know, getting ready to apply for colleges and, and, um, there's a lot of pressure, you know, for her, there's a lot of pressure and she's her own, you know, worst critic. And, and she's, you know, we have these conversations and I, and I've told her, you know, look, you cannot have done it a more haphazard, uh, ridiculous way than, than I did. Um, thing you do is going to be, you know, uh, better off than, than, you know, what I did. Cause it was, uh, it was rough and tumble, you know, for, for me as a kid, really, um, doing yeah. it. Yeah. 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 It's funny. It's funny. Uh, Cause I, we have very similar backgrounds in that way. And what I think is so interesting, like my, my son's graduating high school this year. I just went to dinner with him last night and we were talking about his plans and, uh, it's so interesting to see their lives compared to ours. Yeah. And it's just like, you are, do you understand how lucky you are? You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of weird. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, it's kind of, and that's, I think we've talked about this. It's kind of a, almost like a double-edged sword, man. Cause you know, I, I want part of, you know, adversity, adversity strengthens you and allows you to, you know, do great things and persevere. You know, that's, you, you learn that through encountering obstacles, uh, you know, hard times and, and rising above. So I'm always, it's always a struggle because, you know, I've told my daughter early on, I remember we were driving, I think this is before she started, or it was her first year of high school. We're driving and I told her, look, you know, I had these experiences. They shaped me. They made me who I am. You know, I got to struggle through this adversity and become, you know, the person I am today, you're not going to have any adversity like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to have to find it. You know, you're going to have to find ways to challenge yourself, put yourself in a spot where you are uncomfortable and have to 
strive and, and, you know, succeed and fail and succeed. And, you know, you're going to have to find that. And, you know, for her, it was, you know, we, we talked about, she's, she's wrestled, she's wrestled for, you know, she's in her third year wrestling at, at high in high school. And, uh, you know, I told her for her, you know, this is a good, this is a good way to find that because whenever you pit yourself against somebody else and you, and you undergo the training and, and just the, the grueling nature of training and, and for, for wrestling and then, competition and it's you versus another person there's nobody to blame you know but yourself your eyes are falling your efforts um that's that's a good opportunity to you know uh excel through adversity so yeah dude and that's funny so austin my son he um he he similar conversations like i go i had to i i got some grit because i had to have it like, it's not like it's something that <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I choose to make this, you know, to get this sec, this extra gear. Like, you can only find it when you need it. And I think he he decided this year to join the varsity basketball team in his senior year. I mean, he didn't wow. you know, he walked on and he made it and he he worked his way. He worked his way up the team, you know. But, yeah, I find that the sports is a great way for him to get some adversity, learn from it and, yeah. you know, kind of fail in some ways and feel bad about it, learn from it, do better, you know, that kind of situation. Yeah. And keep going. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you know, that's, that's really kind of, uh, that's really the big, the big thing for, you know, for her, I think is that, you know, she'll, she'll do well. Uh, and other times, you know, she'll, if she loses matches, you know, if she comes back and she's practicing that next week, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Super important. So tell me, where does the, where do you, where did you grow up? So I grew up, uh, you know, the, the ongoing joke around the office is, you know, I, I grew up, uh, with the, with the hillbillies, you know, um, <laughs> I grew up in the hills for sure. Um, Pleasant Valley, uh, Pollock Pines area is kind of where I grew up. So just, just East of here. And yeah, it was very much, you know, out in the, out of the mountain area and, um, it was a good, you know, we, we did stuff like, uh, it was all forest. You know, I, my parents had like a 10 acre uh, area out there right up against, you know, the North 19, you know, a bunch of national forest land. And, and, uh, we went through me and my brother, you know, we, we would, uh, dirt bike and walk trails. We knew every inch of that area. So grew up doing that different, different time really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so what did that, uh, what is, what was that like living out there? What was it like living out there? Yeah. Was I mean, was it, did you have a great time? Do you have fond memories? Was it difficult? Um, yeah, no, I have mostly, mostly fond memories. I mean, cause it was a very much, um, very much kind of a blue collar upbringing, you know, mm -hmm. um, like, uh, you know, I was a latchkey kid. A lot of us were, um, so, mm -hmm. you know, my parents worked, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, my parents worked, so I would get off the school bus. I, I remember very vividly, you know, get off the school bus, walk home. And I was a kid, you know, I was probably, um, this is like grade school, you know, mm -hmm. I, I walk. And I had chores, you know, I would, I would stack, I'd bring wood into the house, you know, I, we, you know, chop wood, bring it into the house. You know, I had all these chores that I did before I did any of my schoolwork and then I would feed myself and, and, uh, my parents would get home late. My mom was, uh, you know, a banker and 
my dad had his own business. And uh, so it was like, you know, my brother would come shortly after and I would kind of watch him and we were there till, you know, six o'clock, you know, and, and uh, mm-hmm. so that kind of upbringing, I think it instilled, you know, a lot of uh, good qualities in me as far as, you know, we worked hard. And, uh, you know, I tell my girls now, me and Rainer are always like my wife, Rainer, we're always talking about like, you know, our kids, we ask them to do, you know, chores and they're just like fall apart. You know, like, God, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I already did. I already emptied the dishwasher two weeks ago, you know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, right. You know, just uh, it wasn't even, you know, we just did that stuff because that was part of, you know, what you do to, you know, contribute to the household. You know, it's just. A, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. It's like they're not used to it because they, they, don't, they don't have to. And then suddenly it's, it's interesting how the more adversity you have, the more you are required for, the more you get used to that. You know what I mean? Like, I remember even going through college. I remember being at American River College and thinking it was really difficult. And then getting to Sac State and feeling the same way. And then getting to McGeorge. And then, and then my sister, when I was at McGeorge, was going to ARC and complaining. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. ARC is a breeze. You know what I mean? It, yeah. Kind of same thing with our kids where it's like, you know, they have to do the dishes once a week, but if they had to do it twice a week, they'd adjust, you know what I mean? And complain it, it, kind of similar situation. Yeah. And to come full circle, kind of that's like, you know, where the concern is with the adversity thing. You know, I'm always worried, like, you know, my girls are, you know, they have it too. I don't want them to have it super hard, but they have it too easy almost, you know, it's like yeah. they don't have to do those things. And I mean, we still have them do chores because it's important to, and still work ethic and, and have them, you know, do those types of things. And, and, uh, but it's really, um, it was out of necessity when I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. and, and now it's more kind of to try to like teach them how to be self-sufficient. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like I go to my daughter's room and I'm like, this is, this is intolerable. <laughs> you know? right. It's like a bomb with others, clothes everywhere, and food containers. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> we gotta, you gotta, you know, in a year and a half, she's going to be out on her own in college. And, you know, yeah, you don't want your kid to be the roommate. That's the messy one. Right. No, no. <laughs> she will be, unfortunately. Yeah. But, yeah. So now growing up, let's talk about what kind of kid were you? You know, were you were you kind of a rough and tumble kid? Did you get in a lot of trouble? What was going on? Yeah. All, yes. All the above. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, it was I, I was definitely, you know, so we were, you know, out you get bored and, and, um, you know, so we would do dumb stuff, man. We were definitely rough and tumble. Me, the neighborhood kids, you know, I mean, we would, some stuff was kind of just, you know, prank stuff. Um, but you know, we would, we would also, you know, drink and do dumb things that, you know, uh, a lot of kids do. Um, but it was, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I had a real, uh, a real rebellious streak. Uh, mm. is, um, I'm sure it probably today would be some sort of, you know, mental health diagnosis, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, there, there'd be some medication for me or something. But but um, yeah, man, I just, you know, it was uh, I look at my it's the other part of looking at my girls now and thinking like, man, they're such good kids. Yeah. You know, at, which you know, as messy as they are and, and as much as, you know, I have to fight with them to get them to do chores on occasion, they're just good kids. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I was, I was a, 
I was with, I was an asshole really. I mean, I don't know how else to, <laughs> how else to put it really, you know? And, and yeah. uh, you know, and, and I think part of that too was, you know, I spent time with other kids that were rough, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we, we kind of all did the same things, you know, and, and, uh, but there were, you know, me doing that as a kid, there were real consequences. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I got in all sorts of trouble and, and got in trouble with, with, uh, you know, you can't break the law w- without getting in trouble, you know? So right. that, that quickly, uh, that quickly started for me at a pretty young age, man. Um, so what you, like, what are we talking like high school or middle school or what? Yeah. I mean, I, I started, yes, I started getting trouble probably, uh, you know, so you're like, you're like third grade. <laughs> <laughs> so I came up with this thing. I mean, you know, you look back as an adult, you look back over the course of your life and, and there's just some things you go, what, what was I doing? You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, you yeah. don't understand it. Right. And so I remember, you know, in, in uh, I remember middle school, I decided, you know, that uh, we should all, you know, we should run away. Mm. This is like, seriously, dude, it was like third grade. It's funny you said that. I think it was like third <laughs> grade. That's my recollection. So I tell these, you know, I get these other kids. I was a, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, I was, I was a pretty good leader even then. Uh, <laughs> and I convinced these kids that we're going to leave the school. You know, so we come up with a plan. We bring clothes. We're going to leave the school. I mean, we got like a mile away from the school. And of course, you know, it was like five kids. When five kids go missing from middle school, even back in, you know, you know, even back then in the late 80s, it was like, there's a big issue. Cops. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, my parents get called and, and uh, you know, we got found and they took us back to the school. And, and uh, of course, you know, it was, I really was the one who who led that. And, and, uh, so my, my parent, my poor parents, man, you know, I mean, as a kid, you see all these things that your parents did is unjust, or I did at least I'd see these things as being unjust or, you know, I wasn't, you know, they didn't raise me the right or all this, all this silly stuff. And then you have kids your own and you're like, Oh my gosh, man, my poor parents. I mean, I'm so sorry. You know, I've, I've had more than a few conversations with my parents just telling them, you know, I'm sorry for how horrible I was as a kid, you know, yeah. but yeah. Was your brother younger than you? Yeah. So I've got, I've got two, two younger brothers and a younger sister. My brother right below me is, is, uh, you know, my biological brother and I have a stepbrother. Um, and then I have a, a sister who is adopted at a young age. That's quite a bit younger than me, but we're all pretty mm-hmm. close. My brother right below me, we grew up together. Uh, Troy is his name. And, and uh, he was uh, he was a good kid, man. Followed me around. I have no idea, you know, why, he, you know, he kind of, uh, you know, his siblings do. I mean, he kind of followed me around and looked to me for, you know, my wisdom. And and, uh, and I was just a terror to him, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm the oldest, too. And where there's four of us, there's two boys and two girls. And we're all kind of spaced. My youngest sister is, I think she's 20 right now, maybe 21. So, I mean, big, big, big spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So that's, that's what's, it's interesting how they look to you. And then you're just such, like, I was a dick too. I was a dick to my brother. I think mine came from though, just our situation was so difficult and I was angry and I, I just took it out on him. Yeah. I mean, kind of situation. 
I, I had some of that. You know, my parents, they, they got divorced when I was really young. And so it was kind of all of a sudden there was this uh, just less stability, you know, and, yeah. and was, you know, there was less stability. And um, and now all of a sudden we're kind of going back and forth between two houses. And, and there wasn't a lot of, I don't think, probably very good communication or coordination. So, man, it allowed us to get away with a lot of stuff and, you know, and, and uh, all the dynamic that comes along with that. So, I mean, for me, it was more opportunity to party, and do what I wanted to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's hard enough when you're combined, when you're in a unit, you know, married, trying to co-parent, um, divorced. It's very difficult. I think yeah. becomes, yeah. you know, so definitely, you know, it was, uh, so me and my brother kind of, my brother, not so much. I mean, he was a good kid. I think part of, I guess the silver lining, I mean, I started getting involved in, with, uh, you know, the legal system. I mean, young, but really actually started uh, experiencing consequences probably my teenage years, early teenage years. Um, I started, you know, getting incarcerated and, and uh, you know, doing mm. that and uh, spent quite a bit of time in juvenile facilities, which is hard to believe. But but uh, it's yeah. it's fu- it's funny because like knowing you now. I would never expect yeah. that you that you were that kind of kid. And we what are, you, are we talking about like things like you're getting in fights or is it just like, you know, yeah. underage underage drinking or what was it? Yeah, it was a uh, fight um you know, uh just dumb stuff, you know, stealing alcohol from liquor stores. Um mm. um I stole a vehicle <laughs> you know <laughs> how old were you when you did that did you have a license um no no i didn't have one. i think i was 15 maybe 15 you're like you're like the rick vaughn of the dryer babbage office dude it, <laughs> it was the, from, from me. it was it was bad man you know my this the silver lining was my brother i think saw you know my brother saw all that and um thankfully you know, the, the partying and, and the people, you know, that, that looked flashy, but he saw the consequences and that there's no glamor behind that, you know? So mm-hmm. he kind of steered away from that and had a pretty, um, different route early on, thankfully. Wow. So now as you're, as you're going through this, I mean, your parents, what are they thinking? I mean, are they like snap out of it, kid? Are they, are they paying attention to it? Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they were, um, I think it was one of those things. It was kind of interesting, you know, I think as a parent, like kind of reflecting on it now from a different perspective, you know, um, I think you hope that if you're not tough early on, you know, it'll just kind of work itself out. Mm-hmm. I think that's what my parents kind of thought. This is rebellious. You know, it's uh, it'll work itself out because I was drinking then and I was doing all sorts of bad stuff, you know. And, and, uh, and are we talking, are we now in the high school years? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say late middle school, early high school. I was mm-hmm. I was partying pretty hard mm-hmm. and, uh, and hanging out with people that partied. That was kind of, you know, that's what we did. And then, uh, you know, I couldn't maintain that in early high school. And I eventually they expelled me. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I was. What, uh, what high school were you at? Ponderosa. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, Ponderosa, it was, you know, it was there was nothing wrong with the school at all. It was me. You know, I was, uh, <laughs> I was just, yes. uh, 
you know, unruly and, and um, I got in lots of fights. It was just unmanageable, you know, kind of similar to, you know, what you were talking about. There was a lot of, a lot of misplaced anger and, uh, um, you know, just, I was a sad kid. Yeah. You know, so, and, and where did, where, what was that? From? I mean, at this point, if you're in your, if you're now in high school, right? Like, you, you know, parents have been divorced for a while. Where do you think that that sadness and all that stuff came from? Was it just from that situation or other stuff? Um, yeah, it's a good question, man. I mean, I think it was, I think it was some of that. Um, it's hard to say that, you know, it was just, um, that kind of, you know, that was just one particular instance, you know, I think mm -hmm. it was, I think that was definitely part of it. Um, but then also kind of all of us are wired different, you know, like I, you know, I have two girls and mm -hmm. my oldest, she's a, she's a, um, she is a maniac. She's a beast. Mm -hmm. She wrestles, wow. you know, I can put her through it. I can, I can be a little bit harder on her. It's just a truth. You know, my youngest, yeah. she's sent, she's more sensitive, you oh. know, and, you know, thank God for my wife. Cause my wife's like, Hey, look, we have kids that are a little bit different. We have to kind of, cause I want to be like one, you know, size fits all. I'm going to discipline this kid this way and this one the same. And uh, that's not really always the best course, you know? And, and so, yeah. so it's my so youngest, hard, dude. It's so, so hard. Oh man. It's so hard. <laughs> so my young, you know, my oldest, I'm like, you know, just lay it down and she gets it and we were fine. My youngest, I can't really do that. Yeah. So, so, and the truth is, I think I was a sensitive kid, man. You know, I was just, you know, it was, um, I was a sensitive kid and, uh, you know, so I reacted the way I did to my environment and, and, uh, it got easier and easier and easier to just check out as I got, you know, as I continued to, and then, Real, realistically at that point, you don't need a reason. You're, mm -hmm. you're, just, you're, you're an asshole. And you know, <laughs> you know yeah. you're it's almost part, it's almost part of your identity, right? Like, yeah. well, this is what I do. I'm the asshole. Yep. Yeah. And you just keep going that route. And, and, uh, some people never get out of that. I some know. Never do, you know, I know. They well, what, what gets you out of it? But what, what, what is it that changes for you? Um, man, I suffered some big consequences. Um, mm. You know, so I, I started, I, I spent considerable time in, in juvenile hall and camps and, uh, you would, oh, think, you had to do, did you have to do the work camps? Yeah, I did. I, I did a camp, a place called Foul Springs. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you know what CYA is, but it's like child prison. Um, yeah. it was kind of a comparable thing to that. And, uh, and, uh, you would think that, and then I got expelled, um, mm -hmm. I took a, a proficiency test and, you know, I think I was, uh, shoot, man, I think I was like, I made it two years in high school, two years. And mm -hmm. then they were like, you can't be here anymore. <laughs> it was like, you know, one of my buddies, one of my buddies that I do jujitsu with, um, small world. He's still, you know, up, up, uh, up in my neck of the woods and we're doing, we do jujitsu. And so he was like, he's like, Hey, remember that time? He's like, he's all, all I remember is like, you got arrested at school. And I was like, I don't know. Probably. I don't, I don't remember Which that. Guy? Yeah. yeah, I don't quite remember that. He's like, yeah, all I remember is watching you run. Like you're running through campus and police officers are chasing you. And I was like, <laughs> and I don't, you know, it's scary is I really don't remember that, but you know, I don't doubt it happened, you know? So it was, uh, so it was consequences, you know, cause I, I did that. And then, then I became an adult and the idea was I actually turned 18 in a juvenile facility. And, uh, 
and the idea was, you know, I got it. No, I'm gonna, it's going to be different. I'm not going to do this anymore, you know, and, and uh, I'm an adult now. But I was I was a brickhead in, in juvenile facility, man. I remember there was this guy, Jay. He was uh, one of the CEOs there. And he was like, he, he told me, he's all, you got a, you got a brick on your shoulder. You know, he said, you're, or you're blocking your shoulder. He said, you're constantly fighting. You're constantly, you don't listen to anybody. And he's all, you, you've got it. If you don't change that, then you're going to continue to get in trouble. And I, and I was like, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. I, and I get out, I turn 18, I get out. And, um, and he was like, uh, you know, I was like, see you later. And he's all, um, yeah, you know, next time. The, he said something, the insinuation was that, you know, I'd be back, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and then, uh, man, he was right. You know, I, I ended up, uh, I literally turned 18 in that facility, got out, went back to the same friends, mm-hmm. uh, went back to the same friends. We started partying, got more trouble and literally went to uh, county, was uh, mm-hmm. incarcerated again. And I spent, you know, a soft year, turned 19. Mm-hmm. Spent, did a soft year in county, wow. um, which is about eight months. Wow. Yeah. And what was the last, uh, what was the last deal? Was it more fights or was it something else? Fights. Um, yeah, that was a bad one, real bad. And, uh, and then, you know, got out and, and, uh, and this time I was like, you know, so for the, for the first time ever, you know, we've talked about this. So for the first time ever, I started looking at like, Hey, I should probably stop drinking. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I drink and, you know, the, I told Campor, I was joking around with him early on. He asked me, you know, why don't you drink? And, and I told him, uh, I told him, uh, you know, some people, you know, it's, it's, I have an allergic reaction. Some people break out in hives. I break out in handcuffs and facilities, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I literally, I, I, you know, I, I got out of that facility, said, I'm going to stop doing I'm, I, I got to stop drinking. I got to stop you know, hanging out with these people. And, um, you know, and I'd like to say that was the last time, man, but I got out and, um, you know, I didn't really commit to changing, um, my, my friends, my group, the people mm-hmm. that you need when you're making, when you're doing something for a long time and you're going to change it, regardless of what it is, you need a new support group. And, yeah. uh, you know, I kind of found myself kind of hanging out with the same people again. And, um, and then I got in trouble again and did a 90 day stint again, mm, you, know, and, uh, you know, and then that was, uh, that was it, man. That was it for me. I got out and, uh, you know, found some different people I was doing, uh, you know, I found, found some different people and that was really, uh, that was a big thing. Um, you know, it was a big thing for me. And, and then, uh, you know, I, I stopped drinking. I haven't drinking since that's, you know, that was 24 years ago. So backing up a little bit, you mentioned, I found other people. So how does that inform the way that you teach your kids about the people they hang out with? Oh, big. Uh, we've, we've always been, you know, we've, I've talked, talked to my girls and, and, uh, you know, both me and Raina about, you know, cause I, you know, my, my oldest, you know, both my kids, actually, they've got a little bit of a proclivity towards kind of trying to, you know, take the broken toy underneath their wing, you know, to fix them. And yeah. I'm like, look, man, that's great. And I love that quality in you, but there are times where they're just as likely to take you under their wing. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you know, who you spend time with, that's who you are, man. It doesn't matter if you say I'm a good person, I'm honest, I'm hardworking. If you spend time with people that are lying and thieving, that's who you are. That's yeah. who going to be. It is. Mm-hmm. You, know? Yeah. So, you know, you want to be honest and, and, and uh, righteous. That's who you spend time with and you'll be that. Yeah. So now you're, uh, I know that you met your wife, Raina, fairly young. How old were you guys when you met? Oh, we were babies, man. So I was, uh, I was 19, 19 and just, you know, kind of just. Yeah. Are you in the midst of this or are you at the tail end, like trying to fix it? No. So I was sober. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd been sober for about five months Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, met Raina. She was 18. Mm. And, uh, and then, you know, like, I, I can't remember, I met her through some mutual friends. She was super, I had, believe it or not, it's kind of funny. I went to middle school with her. Ah. Didn't really talk to her a whole lot. Cause she was loud. And, and, uh, you know, she had this whole like, uh, gangster Latina thing going on. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, when we were kids, you know, and, and so, so it's kind of funny. I knew she was, I just didn't really know her. And, um, she was, uh, you know, we started, started talking and I was, you know, head over heels really. Mm, yeah. So, um, at the time, you know, you had stopped drinking. Was she also not drinking or did she, how did that come about? Yeah. She doesn't drink either. Oh, okay. Wow. And where does that come? I ask because, you know, I'm Mormon. So a lot of people I know don't drink, but it's rare unless you're religious, you don't drink. What What is it for her that she doesn't drink? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I, I won't say for her, um, for me, you know, it was kind of a, I found, you know, I, I was, the court system has gotten better and better at um, pointing people in the direction of things like 12 step programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and those types of things uh, I think are, you know, really beneficial uh for people who are looking to you know find a better way and and you know have a support group and and you know for me that was something that was necessary Mm. Um, so early on that was kind of uh the direction i went Mm. so you you joined aa and stuff like that yeah Yeah. okay wow so um and did that tell me you know i i have family members who've battled addiction and had to go through AANA, things of that nature. Uh, how beneficial was that to you? Do you think you could have recovered without it? Um, you know, it's an interesting question. I, I would say probably no. Hmm. Um, and a big part of that was the, so the disease, the, the nature of like that compul- obsessive compulsive behavior, you know, I mean, you look around everybody, every family, everybody I know um, has somebody they know that's been touched by addiction in some fashion. Right. Um, you know, maybe it's gambling, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe who knows, you know, there's all mm-hmm. sorts of forms. And I think what happens for a lot of people is they get so used to looking for something outside of themselves to change how they feel. Mm-hmm. you can't just take that away um, mm-hmm. and survive. You know, I think a lot of people kill themselves. I mean, you, you see, you know, you see suicide around addiction. I mean, it's, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a horrible thing. So I think, you know, for me, I need to find, um, you know, I needed to find a way to 
you know, look to something greater than me, you know, and it doesn't necessarily need to be religious, you know, but it, but it needs to be something spiritual, whatever it is. And then have a support group, you know, have a support group, people that you can service. So that was the other thing, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, 12 step programs offer people an opportunity to be of service. Um, so doing things, you know, uh, doing the right thing for the right reason, you know, um, yeah. there's a lot of horsepower in that, you know, it's kind of really one of the things that I've continued to practice, uh, through mm. it's been a big, big, big part because when you're using like that, when you're doing those types of things, it is so selfish and self. Yeah. So you yeah. have, the only way to combat that is to do something selfless. Yeah. Uh, that's really the only way to combat that. It's so funny because I, I know that that's so true when it comes to the addiction, because it's, it, I had a, I had a guy on here uh, not too long ago who had a pretty significant addiction problems and then became a therapist. And he talks about, he goes, there were times where I was doing things. I didn't even want to do it. Like I wasn't even interested in it, but it's just a compulsion. And I did it even though I didn't want to, you know, yeah. and, sure. and it's just, man, it's, rough so so now now you're going through this you meet reina things are going well um but you hadn't you, didn't, you know you got expelled from high school so how does one go from being expelled from high school to becoming a partner at a prestigious personal injury law firm i mean where well let me back up and ask this did you did you have an idea you get out you know you get out from your incarceration you're sober for a little while did you have an idea of what you wanted to do no Okay. Yeah, no, no, here, I'll say this. I started out, I was so excited because I, I not only, you know, had a high school thing, but I was a felon. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, you know, shocking because I'm not now. I, I petitioned, I've since petitioned the core. I did it multiple times to have, you mm-hmm. know, wobblers reduced, thankfully. But so b- basically what happened was I, I was just so grateful to not be, you know, stuck in that. I had different friends. I wasn't caught up in that way of life. I was so appreciative. I was living with a bunch of guys in a house. I mean, I had a good support group. Um, I was roofing Hmm. and I'd always been, you know, I've always been involved in the trades in some fashion from as long as I can remember, I did, you know, pour concrete, you know, I, I did demo work, asphalt, you know, everything under the sun, you know, I drove truck for a little while um, and I roofed. So I was roofing um, and that was, you know, I was making good money. and in my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to be a roofer, you know, and, and uh, which is horrible work. Roofing <laughs> is so hard, man. It right. is so hard. The sun's beating down. You fall off that roof. You fall through the roof. I mean, it was just so, I mean, I did that for about a year and uh, I was with Raina and, and I'm like, I think I have to go. I think I need to do something else in my body. I don't want to do this in my body. So I think I'll try school. And, um, and, you know, I never I'd done okay in school before, um, but I never really, you know, I was always messing around. And, and so I wasn't sure how I was going to do. Lo and behold, you know, when I'm sober, um, I, you know, tend to be teachable. So mm. I, I, uh, I didn't know what it was I wanted to do. I knew, I knew school was an avenue. And, um, and so I, you know, I, I did community college for a little while. I did really well in community college. And Which, uh, which one did you do? I did Folsom Lake. Folsom Lake and, and uh, cobbled together, you know, my two years between Folsom Lake. I probably did American River College, too. I think they were mm-hmm. all separate at that time. That was a long mm-hmm. time. And then I ended up transferring to Davis. And uh, I loved Davis. I loved everything about it. Um, it was 
just inspiring. I was going to, I started out at Davis pre-med mm. and uh, I was going to do, and you know, it took, it took like, you know, less than a few months to realize like, this is way hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me law any day. I mean, so I right. did that for a couple months and it was, I, I liked it. I mean, and really, you know, I probably, in retrospect, I probably could have continued on that path, but I ended up changing to, you know, pre-law did he did the humanities trip and, and uh, did that through Davis loved it. And then uh, was going to apply to, you know, I was applying to law schools. Um, my history came up, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, fast forward years, I mean, I was like, you know, I've been sober for, man, I've been sober for a long time, six, seven years. Um, and, uh, yeah, six, seven years. And so I'm applying to all these law schools and, and, and I had like great GPA. My LSAT score was unbelievably high and I was being summarily, uh, you know, rejected from these schools that I should have been like accept welcomed with, you know, right. Warships into. And, and I was lucky enough to get one gal on, on uh, the phone and she was like, look, you know, because your history, we're not, um, we're worried that the state won't, uh, won't admit you. We're not worried about you mm. passing the bar. We're worried that the state won't, uh, admit you to practice law. Ooh. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, Yikes. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, so that stinks. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'd been kind of just focused on doing this and, and, uh, and everything was geared up towards it. And, and, you know, it kind of ended up being a blessing because my, you know, me and my wife ended up, so I graduated from Davis. Um, I got into a couple schools. Um, they're all back East. I was applying mostly back East. We're going to have this grand adventure, go back East. I applied to Boston and Toro and all these schools on the East coast. Um, and thankfully I didn't get it. I got in a couple, but thankfully didn't go. Cause literally that summer we found out Raina was pregnant mm. and, uh, you know, surprise. And, uh, you know, so it was, uh, I needed to work. So I, I didn't, uh, I went back to work for, for a year. I was managing a Walgreens, mm. which was miserable work. <laughs> I yeah. bet. God, it was miserable work, man. Um, and then, you know, at the end of that, as it, as I neared the end of that, Raina was, you know, she saw that I was miserable, um, felt like I was kind of in a spot where a, a potential, you know, unrealized potential. And, uh, and I need, but I need to work because I had kids, you know, or I had, you know, Mia and I'm like, what am, you know, what are, what are we going to do? And, and so she, uh, suggested actually night schools. And, and I started looking around. I saw McGeorge. I saw Lincoln. Lincoln was ch as cheap as it gets. And I'm like, ah, try this. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. uh, that way, in case the state doesn't, you know, admit me, I, you know, didn't lose too much money on this uh, law school thing. So, yeah. Now, in the midst of all this, and, you know, I want to talk about getting to law school, but where I know one of the big things that you're very passionate about is fight sports. Mm -hmm. Um where does that come into the Ryan Dostar world? Well, yeah. So, I mean, I, I practiced, I think when I was, I practiced, I've practiced martial arts really majority of my life um, mm -hmm. in one form or another. And when I was a kid, martial arts were actually really kind of a reprieve, you know, those mm -hmm. moments, you know, times where things were a little darker. Um, I was able to, dive into, you know, 
martial arts and it was a, a safe place and I found some solace there. And uh, so I started, you know, as an adult, you know, when I, uh, after I finished school, I, I started getting back into, you know, I did lots of weight training and all that, but I got back into martial arts and, and uh, jujitsu in particular. And, uh, and I've been, I've been doing that for about eight years now um, mm. consistently. You know, let me back up and ask you another question. Just, to, just thought about it. you mentioned dark times and things like mental health stuff. Um, do you think that that had to do with the addiction, or is that something that even after you you finished up with, uh, you know, you stopped drinking, did you have to deal with some of that stuff? And if you did, where where do you get the reprieve? Yeah. Um, well, I think. You know, if you've talked to people on your podcast about addiction, you'll I, I'm sure you've heard that it's it's, uh, you know, when you stop, <clears throat> you know, when you stop doing those things, um, you know, really, they're kind of just symptoms of, of you know, they manifest the symptoms of, you know, the real issue, you know, and, and, yeah. and for me, that was, you know, uh, that was true, you know, and, and I think I, I, uh, you know, for for a lot of people there is a, uh, a searching, I think that happens, um, you know, and, and a searching and as far as enlarging, you know, looking to enlarge your spiritual condition. Mm. Um, and, and for me, that meant, you know, doing certain things like, you know, taking a look at my past, making mm. amends, um, you know, learning about, uh, learning about introspection so that, you know, I'm, I'm <clears throat> no longer reacting in a way that's, you know, harmful to myself or others. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there, there was a, a lot of, but I'm surrounded by people that are doing the same thing. So I was kind of learning from them, watching them, you know, and I, and I have friends to this day that, you know, that started out kind of similar as me and their PhDs, doctor medicine, you know, doctors of medicine, um, you know, really astounding, uh, successful, inspiring figures. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, watch what they did and, and did what they did. And that was, uh, you know, that helped and, and, uh, you know, gave me the kind of fulfillment I was looking for, but yeah, cause you, you could take away any substance and, and, uh, there you are, you know, mm -hmm. you have to deal with that void at some point. Yeah. So the thing that's interesting because I've found that there are some points in my life that I have just been very generally negative. You know what I mean? Like, I think I have a tendency to do a little bit too much introspection and that like, it's almost not like, it's good to be introspective, but then sometimes you're just beating yourself up. Right. And, and so, <clears throat> um, and then there are other times where, you know, it's easier to be positive. So what are some things that you have, you have done since getting sober that have helped you kind of, I mean, you, you generally seem to me to be a generally positive guy. Like you, you, uh, I very rarely hear you saying anything negative about your life, about things other than like, you know, I got this trial coming up and I'm buried. But other than that, like, you know what I mean? We, we don't really, you know, you don't seem to me as being somebody who's generally uh, unhappy with anything, which is sounds so different than this person that you're talking about for the first 20 something years of your life. Right. What, what do you do to kind of maintain that? Yeah. So it, it is, um, it's 
all about perspective. Um, you know, and, and I practice a, a lot of, a lot of gratitude. Uh, and, you know, you'll, you'll hear all these little sayings, truisms really, but you know, things like, you know, gratitude is an action word, you know, and, and, uh, um, and, and it kind of goes back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier, like service. It's mm -hmm. really difficult to be negative when you go do things for people that maybe aren't as capable. Mm -hmm. uh, when you do, when, when you're doing the right thing for the right reason and really being of service, sacrificing your time, your, your, what your energy, um, it's hard to come out of that and feel like, man, man, I just, you know, uh, you know, I'm not, my, my life's not great. You know, you, you never, I mean, you just kind of, it's a service is a big thing that I've continued to do. It's a, mm. it's a big part of, um, and really, you know, smart people, a lot smarter than me early on would say, um, you look at your motivation for being a service. If your motivation for being a, of service is to tell people about your, what you're doing, it's you you don't have the correct motivation. You know, yeah. You, to look at why you're doing it. So, so being of service, but not talking about what I do. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, so I don't really, you know, I don't really, I don't really go into a lot of detail or talk to, you know, you just, you find things that you're passionate about where you can make a difference and you go do those things. And it's hard to not have a good perspective yeah. consistently. Not that anybody's perfect or, I mean, you know, I still have moments where it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a combination of things, you know, I think, yeah. It's that it's about being, you know, grateful. I mean, I look at my past and I look at the things that where I came from and I'm like, dude, my life is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think of, you know, I, I, the kid, the kids I grew up with, they're all in prison or dead. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality. You know, I, I, I for years as a young, as a young kid in my mid late twenties, early thirties, I would hear about so-and-so you're having so-and-so got, you know, he's, he's going to be doing 18 years, you know, and, and, uh, did you hear about so-and-so died? You know, I mean, it, it happened so regularly that I was like, man, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> you, know? yeah. and, you know, this yeah. is, pretty, this is pretty good, you know? And, and then, uh, you know, and then you add in things like, you know, you add in things that are, are, uh, you know, important, like, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, combat sports, you know, and, and that's a big reprieve. And, and it's also, another way for me to mentor, you know, and, and, yeah. and people that are also interested in, in jujitsu and teach them and be, you know, uh, have camaraderie there. And, and uh, but I really think service is a big, it's, I can't say enough about it, you know? It's, yeah. There's, there's something about doing service for others that is very spiritual, Yeah, you know, and sure. uh, you know, I funnel that through my faith, you know, some people do it other ways, but, there's something about helping each other that you're right. Like I, I used to tell my son, I go, there've been lots of times where I went to do the service and I was not feeling great about it, but yeah. then I never left regretting that I did it. Absolutely. You know? Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the yeah. same for me. You know, I, I'll, I'll go, you know, you go and there's lots of times where like, man, I would much rather be at home watching, you know, TV with Raina, just, you know, doing nothing. But then you go and uh, and you come out of that and you're like, man, I can't imagine if not if I'm just grateful I went. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now as you're going through this, um, oh, and here's another thing: you can't tell because of his shirt, uh, but 
tattoos are a big thing for you. Yeah. So <laughs> when, when did you when did you get your first tattoo? And and tell me about everybody I know who gets tattoos. They get addicted to that too. So like, tell me like, what was your first tattoo and and why tattoos? What do they do for you? Um. That's yeah. You know what's interesting is I so I got my first tattoo when I was fifteen. Um, much, much to my parents' chagrin, I mean, they were like, "What is wrong with you?" You know, <laughs> and I was, yeah. like, and I, you know, and I and I started, and I, I guess I was, I was, um, I was smart in the sense that I never got any tattoos on my face. I mean, God, <laughs> I know that's hard. I mean, it's like, of course not, or my hands. But man, I'm telling you, my friends. I mean, we were kids, 15, 16 in a garage with a VCR gun. You know, like. Doing, giving each other tattoos, you know, it was horrible, you know, and, and uh, you know, we came out, I came out of that with, you know, I had friends that had tattoos on the sides of their heads or foreheads or fingers, you know, and, and I remember, I mean, I made lots of poor decisions, but I remember just thinking like, it just seems like a bad idea. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. I don't think I'm going to do that, you know, and, and uh, um, so I, I, I got, um, so I've, I've gotten tattoos here and there, but, but I definitely, I think I was worried at one point. Um, it's so, it's such a, it's kind of, it's not the same now as it was obviously, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, it's almost part of the culture now. Uh, yeah. Kind of interesting, but, but yeah, I've gotten far more tattoos. I mean, I started with one arm and I was like, I'll get some tattoos. And, and then like that arm was covered. And then I'm like, well, I'm not going to do my other arm. That's excessive. And, uh, <laughs> And then I started doing my other arm and, and, uh, and then I was like, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's and what it does for me. I think it's just a set. I like the art. It's a sense of expression. It sets me apart. Um, mm -hmm. all those things. And honestly, I still have this little, I, not little, but I mean, I still have this rebellious streak yeah. there. I have this part of my personality that's existed there forever. You know, I'm not harming people anymore. I'm not, you know, um, at least those who, or, you know, it's consensual if I am harming someone. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, but there's still that part of me that kind of wants to kind of buck the system or, or, or I don't know how to say it, uh, explain it, but, and, yeah. and when I do that, I, that part of me is satisfied. And Some, sometimes there's something about just doing something a little rebellious and crazy that makes you feel alive. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? it. I mean, and, and I'm definitely. You know, I went, uh, you know, I travel a lot. My family, we travel a lot. And, you know, my, my oldest daughter is very much like me. She's kind of, you know, she'll, she's a bit of a thrill seeker. And, and we decided that we were going to, I've never in my life thought about jumping out of a plane. Never yeah. in my life. Just never even thought about it. If anything, the times I thought about it, I thought that's a horrible idea. And so yeah. we're, we're in, you know, we, I found this place. My daughter was like, I want to do this. I'm like, it's, not, it's just scary. It's not, it's not. And I researched a little bit. And we ended up uh, jumping out of a plane, <laughs> both of us. We went and um, it was it was exhilarating. I don't know if I'd do it again, but it was definitely exhilarating. And, um, you know, and it was fun. And I, it was funny because, you know, several of the partners like, don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anymore, you know? um, yeah. So. Well, that, that's one of the reasons why it's funny, because I, I, I connect a lot with you because you know, you do jujitsu, I do wrestling. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of a, a sure. thing, but, I, but I feel the same way. Like, you know, you see some of these guys here and everybody's got their story and they're all very interesting, but I just feel sometimes a little set apart because it's like, 
you know, I, I think I've told you before when you hear somebody, they're like, yeah, so I, you know, I did this wonderful thing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I bought a pinball machine, guys. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, they're just like, um, okay, that's a little, that's yeah. different, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. these Rocky action figures that I've yeah. been waiting for for a really long time and they finally came, you know? I got, I got a, an arcade machine and it's got like a thousand games you from the oh. 80s, 90s. And I was so excited. My girls were just like, this thing's old. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, there's a street yes. fighter. I've got every variation of street fighter you've ever heard of. I mean, all the old games I played when I was a kid that, you know, it's just, uh, it, I remember I got one when I moved into my house, I bought one and I brought it home and it had 680 something games on it. It had like Ninja Turtles, Simpsons, like all the old arcade ones we used to play when we were kids. Yeah. And my kids played for it for about five minutes and they're like, well, well, let's go back to our Xbox and play whatever Fortnite or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, you guys don't get how cool this was, you know? Yeah. Different. They can't appreciate it. Different times. No, no. So, so now you go to law school and we, you know, you started here. So we both worked as law clerks and worked our way up the system. When did you, were you in law school? Was it before law school that you got the job here? Yeah. So I started, so I had a couple things happen. Um, you know, I think it was, I started here in 2007 as a law clerk. And um, the reason I started here, I was, I was kind of, went this this direction i knew that we practiced personal injury my stepdad lost his leg um in a pretty mm. bad motorcycle accident and uh it was just devastating devastating for my family um mm. that would have been probably right right around 2003 mm. and um it was something i definitely carried with me through law school and um so when I saw an opportunity to come to personal, I didn't even know how, you know, I came here not knowing, you know, I knew it was a big firm. I didn't know. I mean, we're, you know, we're not to sound immodest, but, you know, some of the best in what we do, obviously. And, and no, not some. We are the best as far as like in this area. I mean, like, you know, if, hands one down. of the, yeah, there's yeah. nobody, nobody touches us. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was, you know, I didn't know that going into it. I just knew what we did. And, um, but I came here 2007 as a clerk and immediately I've always had this sense of um, I don't like bullies. And, mm -hmm. you know, if there's somebody that, you know, like I've always been a big like help, help the underdog kind of person, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, when somebody is in a position where, you know, there are, um, you know, like our clients come to us, they're they they don't have, you know, they feel hopeless, powerless you know, dealing with uh, these insurance companies. And, you know, I've always seen that and saw, you know, our capability, our ability to just really advocate, take their cause and, and uh, you know, take these guys to the mat, so to speak. And, and I really, I saw that as a clerk and wanted, immediately was enticed, wanted to be that, wanted to do that. Um, and I uh, set out to learn as much as possible, work as much as possible, do anything I needed to, to stand out and, and uh, show that this is something that I could do. Wow. So now th was this your first law job then? First law job. Yep. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. Mine was actually a lot different than yours, a little bit different than yours. Eh? So uh, I thought I wanted to be a prosecutor. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, I couldn't find a job to save my life. I mean, this is 2008. Nobody was hiring anybody anywhere. Right. And, right. and, uh, 
Roger actually came to my torts class and spoke. And I go to church the next Sunday and I'm like, man, this Roger Dreyer guy came to my, he, you know, came to my class. He really sounds like he knows what he's doing. And they're like, oh, well, so-and-so knows Roger. Maybe you could talk to him about a summer internship. And so they, he got me in contact with him and I come in and meet Debbie, our office manager. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, they hired me and I thought, I thought I was coming in. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I can tell Roger this now, but like at the time I thought I was coming in to talk about an unpaid summer internship, you know? <laughs> right, and yeah. then they, and then they offered me, first of all, it was a terrible offer, but when they offered me money, I was just excited to get yeah. paid. Right. And so it was like, you mean I get paid? And, and the whole summer, I thought I was only going to be working here for the summer. Right. And then, and then they told me about a month and a half in, they were like, oh, it's going to take about six months before you really know what you're doing. And I was like, what? You know, I was like, right. and so, so month and a half, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, and so I, I remember, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was like, I think they think I'm staying. And I was like, that's, weird. I guess I should, you know? Yeah. And so, and here I am, you know, here it is 15, 15 years later, you know, and we're partners here. I yeah. mean, that's just so I, I, crazy. I actually, and it was funny because I start, so I was working at Walgreens when I started law school. And, um, and I remember, you know, I was, you know, making barely anything there, but I remember I came here, they made me an, you know, they made me an offer. And I remember telling Raina, and it was literally, it was like half of what I made at Walgreens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember, but I remember telling, you know, Rana, my wife, that, you know, that, that this is, this is where I wanted to go. And, yeah. uh, and she's like, you know, this is gonna be hard, but we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. And, and so I, you know, took a huge pay cut, um, to come, but I was, the work was just, you know, from what I, what was described to me, it was going to be, you know, exciting. It was going to be something that, was going to be different and uh you know and uh it was uh you know it was crushing to say i mean i was you know for it sounds like our interview process was a little different (laughs) well i mean they told me you know uh they definitely told me that i was going to be you know crushed i mean that it was going to be hard work and you know and and, uh all this stuff it's funny because we can't say anything like that to law clerks now you'll never hire anybody no it's like now you got to be like you know um Oh, you'll just, you know, 40 hour, 38 hour week. And, and yeah, yeah. Great work life balance. Yeah. Balance. Yeah. I mean, they're telling me like you're going to die, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But my, you know, my, my interview process was so funny. I walk in and it's just Debbie comes in and she's like, Are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> and I was, and I was like, No, I'm pretty sure. And she's like, I don't know if you understand. And then they bring in a guy, I won't say his name here, but you'll know who I'm talking about. He walks in and no joke, he looked like he hadn't showered for like a week. And he and he and he smelled horrible and he was tired. He looked tired. And he's just like, Are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, <laughs> it was like, I I thought I did, you know. And then they're like, all right, we're gonna make you an offer. And I was like, Oh, okay. Uh great. Yeah. <laughs> really, I think, you know, we're you know, doing, you did the same idea. So I clerked here for four years, all through yeah. law school. And yeah, uh, me too. And it was, uh, it was grueling, but if you can do that, I mean, and pass the bar and, and you're just, you know, I, I really feel like I came out of that experience. I was like a two, three year associate. 
I mean, I, I yeah. would, my peers, when I would take depositions, you know, I would listen to them and I'd see them and think like, man, I've really, that four years was like, it really gave me a mass of knowledge and, and allowed me to be more effective earlier. You know, it's funny too. I, I you know, um, this place made me sound way more intelligent than I was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I went and did the trial advocacy program at McGeorge mm-hmm. and I got, I witkened all the trial advocacy stuff because, you know, which for those of you who aren't law people, the highest grade in the class. And it wasn't because I was particularly special is because I recorded every deposition that Roger Dreyer ever did. And I went to several trials where he closed. So when I would go, I mean, I would do every cross and I would do every, you know, every close because I'd seen it done perfectly a hundred times. Yeah. And and that makes you so much better. Yeah. You really do. um, You we're we're, you know, learning from, you know, the, masters of the universe, you know, and, and, uh, and continue to, you know, but it definitely same, you know, in law school, I was, you know, I, I really learned how to, how to speak to an audience and convey a message in a clear, compelling way, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that was, you know, I think that's a lot, it's a kind of a lost art, man. I mean, you know, there's, there's lots of good trial attorneys out there, but fewer and fewer folks are learning that. Yeah. Well, and I think when the advent of social media, where you're not having a lot of face-to-face interaction, yeah. Um, and there's a lot more I've noticed with kids, like you know, being Mormon, you're you're t- you're you're doing talks in front of church at three years old. You go to the primary, and then when you're 12, you start speaking in front of the whole congregation. That's great. And it just seems like, but it seems like so many kids have like these anxieties mm. that, you know, it, and I think look. Everybody, the first time they get up in front of a crowd speaks, has anxiety. But sure. because there's kind of a diagnosis of anxiety, some people, you know, it, it's just it's really interesting how less and less people are even willing to give it a shot. Yeah. You know, so I don't know, man. But Social so bad deal. What's that? Social media is I'm not I'm not a huge I'm I think it's got some positives. But man, especially with our youth, man, I see my kids and I'm like. We've got them limited on how much social media they consume, but it's so mindless. It's horrible. Yeah. It's, horrible. Oh, I, I, it's funny. I sometimes look at how much time. I mean, I'm pretty big on social media for a lot of different reasons because I got a lot of things that I, I post. But uh, yeah, I just I've noticed sometimes I'm like I get up in the morning and it's like, you know, first thing I do is check my phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? First, last thing before I go to bed sometimes, unless I fall asleep on the couch, which happens a lot. Um, so, but, uh, but anyway, so, so now you kind of always wanted to do this. Uh, tell me now your story is really, it's, it's inspiring because there's probably people here. I know there's going to be a couple people here who've had very similar backgrounds to you that have kind of been in an area where they go, I don't really know what I can do. Right. Yeah. I mean, so what is the message that you have for somebody like that, given your story? Well, I, I would say, um, you know, the, the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is give up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's times where I know I had times where um, it seemed like really insurmountable. Um mm-hmm. You know, the circumstances are insurmountable. And, you know, I mean, imagine that, you know, I was, I was, you know, young kid thinking like I've, I've done, there's no, nowhere left for me to go. 
and, and that's such a sad thing um, looking back on it. Um, but I just, so I took small, just incremental, if you have a goal, you just take small incremental steps towards it. And, and, uh, and sometimes it was like three steps forward, one step back. Um, but I surrounded myself with good people. That's a big, that's a big thing, man. I really believe in surround yourself with good people. Um, and educate, you know, educate yourself. You know, I learned as mm-hmm. much as I could. I read a lot. I still read a lot. You know, I'm always curious about things, you know, stay curious, um, be of service, uh, you know, work towards enlarging your spiritual condition. And that looks different for everybody. You know, for me, mm-hmm. it was, you know, I did a lot of reading, you know, I learned about meditation. I learned about breathing. I learned about prayer. Um, you know, I learned about those things, uh, because they all, they had a part in, in, you know, me, uh, you know, becoming who I am. And then, you know, moving forward, despite, you know, uh, what other people, it's kind of funny. I remember early on, you know, like, you know, I remember there were a lot of people who are like, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, you're, mm. you're a formal, former knucklehead, you know, you're not gonna be able to do that stuff, you know? And, and, uh, and, uh, I just didn't believe that. Um, mm. I, I, well, I didn't always believe it. There were times where I was like, you're probably right. <laughs> you know, probably not going to be able to, but, but I just kept, I just kept moving forward. Um, I kept, uh, you know, being a service and, um, if you, and I, and you know, if you continue to move forward and you, and you practice consistency, um, you know, things happen and they, they look different. You know, my idea was I was going to get out of, you know, finish UC Davis and I was going to go to some fancy prestigious law school, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, I went to Lincoln yeah. <laughs> and, and I, and I love my experience at Lincoln. Don't, don't get me wrong at all. I, I really, I really like Lincoln. I love the professors. Uh, I got a, a good education, a top notch education. And, but definitely not what you were looking for. No, not, not what you were expecting. Right. Different. It was different than I, you know, it's the universe has a plan. All you have to do is just keep moving forward, practice consistency, treat people well, um, and educate yourself. And and then kind of, you know, uh, it, it might be different, but, uh, you know, things happen as they're supposed to. And, and, you know, it, uh, I can't imagine if, if, if you would have asked, if you would have said 25 years ago, where are you going to be? in 25 years or 24 years, where are you going to be? I wouldn't have guessed this. <laughs> I would have, you know, I would have sold myself short. Um, yeah. You know, so I think it's important to, you know, work hard and, and put yourself, you know, put yourself in places where you're uncomfortable and, uh, and grow from that. It's okay to make mistakes, you know, practice introspection, but be gentle with yourself. Um, you know, all the same things I tell my kids, but you live that. If you live that, yeah and you practice consistency, then you can be, anybody can be successful. Well, and there's, there's a, a thing there, you know, that's what really interesting what you said, you know, you mentioned people calling you a brickhead. I think your brickheadedness probably ended up helping you out in that. I mean, because you're such a brickhead that when people are telling you, you can't do something, you're not listening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And, and it's definitely, um, I use some of that. I mean, not to be so cliche, but, Man, I'd hear I I use that, and I was like, man, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Um, yeah. 
and and then that became more and more more and more like you know if somebody tells me you know you're not going to be able to do that or you're not going to be successful or you're not man it's that's exactly what i need you know if somebody yeah. tells me you know i i have any antagonists like that is is been fuel for me in the past you well know? and that's yeah and that's something i also i agree i mean when people tell me you can't do something it's fuel it's yeah. fuel to make me want to do it more yeah <laughs> here we go yeah yep. that's that's awesome so well, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, one other topic I want to talk to you about is hearing all of this, you're rough and tumble, you're into jujitsu, you're type A personality, you have to be to work here. You're also vegan. Are you are you are you still vegan? So I, I I'm mostly vegan. <laughs> okay. You're like, you're like you're like I'm vegan. Except uh, I, I still eat fish and steak. I love steak. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll say, you know, most of it was uh, I'm kind of a big uh, I'm I'm kind of a big do what works for you person. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I I don't really subscribe to like any certain like, you know, everybody's physiology is different. So what mm -hmm. works for one person from a diet perspective might not work. Or when I say diet, I don't mean like limit limiting what you eat, but just generally what you eat. Um, mm -hmm. it's different from one person to the next. So for me, it was kind of years ago, like 2019, I think I, I, uh, you know, I've, I've always kind of had high cholesterol runs in my family. Um, I've never really paid it much concern. My primary care doctors typically are more concerned about it than I am, you know, which, uh, you know, right. problem, you know, and, and I finally, I had this doctor, he was, uh, this Greek doctor and he was just like, man, you're gonna have a heart attack, you know? And, mm -hmm. and you don't get this under control. And I was all upset and this guy's an asshole, you know, and, and I can't believe you said that to me, you know, and I, you know, I told <laughs> and she's like, well, maybe, you know, we should be concerned about that. And, and um, so he, one of his questions were like, you know, he asked me how much red meat do you eat, you know, every week. And, and I was like, you know, like, what do you mean? Like every day? I mean, what do you mean? Yeah. And, uh, Cause uh, you know, if you ask my, friends and you know been friends for a long time i i ate a lot of meat a lot of red mm -hmm. meat and mm -hmm. I always i've always done that and uh so i did have this you know crazy idea i was gonna you know he told me just to cut down the red meat i took it you know like i do and, and to the extreme it was like i'm gonna cut out everything you know and, and, <laughs> and just learn how to be you know vegan so we were so i i the idea though is i was gonna use myself as the test study I was going to do it for uh, 30 days and then get my blood work done and see if mm -hmm. it had any, you know, any change in my, in my cholesterol or any of the health indicators. So I did it for 30 days and, um, and, you know, my levels went down. I was like, oh, that's kind of, but it wasn't so much to where you're like, oh my God, you know, and mm -hmm. so another 30 days. So I ended up doing it for like 90 days, got a test again. It went down significantly enough to where mm -hmm. I was like, clearly what I'm eating is, is having an impact on, on my, my health, you know? And, and, uh, so I was, I was, uh, I was hard vegan for probably two years. Mm. And, uh, and then I started adding in some, you know, some fish and, uh, and that's kind of what I've done. So I, mm. I don't, I still don't eat red meat. I don't eat chicken really. Um, I, I just, you just do a lot of like sushi. I like sushi. You know, there's actually, there's a, the misconception is that you can't get protein if you're vegan. That's just not true, man. Mm. It's just not mm. true. I mean, you can, there's lots of ways. I mean, I, 
you know, I've, I've, uh, I slimmed down when I started eating like that, but I was still like, you know, still muscular and still doing jujitsu mm-hmm. and had, if anything, I had pretty good energy, man. I was sleeping good. I mean, I, I just didn't really have those issues. Now that's for me. If, if you're eating, you know, red meat every day and you're all your, uh, you know, your blood works great. Good for you, man. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man. So now with that, um, did you notice anything as far as your inflammation? I know carbs have a lot to do with that more than anything, but did you notice that inflammation kind of went down too or anything like that? Um, so I, I don't know if carbs have, I mean, I've read different things, you know, the, the, t- I'm reading this book right now called the the diet myth and it, and, uh, have you ever heard of that? It's interesting. I think I've heard of it, but I never read it. Interesting read. So it really talks a lot about your gut biome and how important that is to ultimately your, you know, uh, your health. And um, I think variety for me has been key. You know, like I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of different things. So I think you know, having more variety is is uh, beneficial. I do really hard training every week, man. I don't know many people, and this is going to sound potentially immodest, and it's not meant to, but. I train, you know, I'm coming up on 44. I train more than most 44 year olds. I know, you know, I, yeah. even you, you know, I, I, I do, you know, weightlifting several, several times a week. I do jujitsu at least four times a week. Um, and when I do jujitsu, when I say jujitsu, like I'm not talking about like a 30 minute class, I do an hour and then I do an hour of hard rolling. Um, mm. that's two hours. And I do that at least three to four times a week. Um, wow. And that's, I've been doing that consistently. And how many days a week are you lifting? I do at least three. And then I have mm-hmm. at least three days of deadlift, squats, uh, bench press. Um, they're all compound movement stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I do two days of just hardcore stretching because mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu is, you know, you're going to, you know, I've had, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the one to look at when I always say jiu-jitsu is safe. And then they, I talk about, you know, I blew up my right knee, my left leg was torn, you know, I've torn my biceps tendon, you know, you know, people are like, what? <laughs> this is not safe at all. So, I mean, if you do jujitsu like me, you could injure yourself, you know, but right. part right. of what I learned through that process was, um, one, dial your intensity down to your technique. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's okay to have intensity, but you want to, you want to, practice your intensity within your technique and then you have to be mobile you Mm. you have to be flexible you know i i started stretching and as soon as i started really stretching you know working on stretching my hips you know my i you know my my shoulder girdle i mean i found that when i was real mobile and my and i was more flexible that energy transfer isn't going directly to the joint you know and Mm. so that's i do i do stretching at least you know, I try to aim for at least twice a really good, you know, hour long stretching session. So, wow. Man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're, you're going hard. Dude. And I cold plunge and sauna. I have oh, to. In order. Okay. So cold plunging, is it legit? Dude, cold plunging is legit. I did. Oh. I cold plunge at least five times a week. I was just telling Bob, we were talking about it and I really, so I'd heard about it. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I've been doing it for about a year, a little yeah. over and uh, I bought like a fancy one, you know, put it on. Mm. But but I used to do it with my coach. My coach would bring like we bring like one of those kiddie pools and we fill it with ice and we do it after a session. Like we roll mm. and we all cold plunge. And I was like, OK, I kind of, you know, seems like I, I you know, feel reduces the inflammation. 
And then I did it at this place uh, near here and I, and I really felt it. And then I bought one and it's like nine day, man. I mean, I'm able to train as hard. I don't, I literally remember feeling like there's mornings I'd get up and I'd be like, God, my body just hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the idea of going to jujitsu tonight after working 10 hours at the firm, I'm like, I don't even want to think about that. And it's right. so now, and it does something to your mentality too. I think. Um, mm. it's I've a, thought about doing it. I just, dude, I'm such a chicken when it comes to cold, man. I, I like, I, I can't do it. I think you like it. I, yeah. Everybody says that, but then if you go it when you start doing it, it's weird. It almost becomes kind of quasi like you look for it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you learn how to breathe. And I, I was telling, you know, yeah, I was talking to Bob about it and and because I started out my my cold plunge gets all the way down to 39, Ooh. which is ridiculous. Yeah. And not something I would recommend. I, <laughs> I was like, I'll test it. You know, I kept going down, down, down. 39 is too cold. So, but I average about 45 and I do it for three and a half minutes. Wow. I get in, I box breathe. So I do my breathing and I just am cool. I'm good there. Do you do it in the morning after a workout, before a workout? When do you do it? So I typically, there's some, there's some, a little bit of literature out there that, that basically supports, um, that it kind of indicates that if you are doing like weight training where you have, you know, um, you don't necessarily want a cold plunge right after that because you want Cause it's a, it's a, it constricts your blood cell. It constricts mm. the blood flow when mm. you punch. So you want that blood flow. You want that vascularity because that's important for, you know, protein synthesis, you know, uh, mm-hmm. strain. So typically all cold plunge, like right after jujitsu, that's mm. you know, all the inflammation, but everything's all fired up and, and a cold plunge right after, you know, so I'll shower cold plunge. And then, um, and then I sauna usually in the morning. So cold plunge typically in the evenings, uh, Saturdays, I train jujitsu in the mornings and all cold plunge right after that. And then, uh, and then I sauna like this morning, I got up, sauna, you know, infrared sauna. I bought an infrared sauna. <laughs> and I've got these compression things that I, uh, that they use in hospitals. They're like for the, you know, uh, basically compression sleeves for your, for your legs. But I, I use those too for just got to, man, all the, yeah. as you get older. Dude, I, dude, I'm feeling it. It's funny because I've been doing six days a week at the gym and then, re- you know, wrestling twice a week and all that. And, uh, you know, after, I mean, I, I started lifting like consistently six days a week, 2019. So I'm coming up on five years and it's just like, dude, the joints, you know what I mean? You're like, it just, it doesn't feel the same yep. as it did. I mean, I've, I've, I've gone away from doing a lot of like the big, I used to lift heavy, heavy, heavy all the time. Yeah. And I've gotten away from that and kind of done more, you know, more lightweight, you know, lot, a lot of reps kind of thing yeah. to kind of make myself feel better. And, uh, but man, I have to try that cold plunge for sure. Dude, you're, so. you're, I think you're what, like 15, not even 15 minutes from my house. You want to come by? Yeah. Just let me know. Yeah, I will, dude. That'll be awesome. So, so now let me let me ask you. We wrap wrap up. I appreciate you giving me the time. Um, so, uh, I ask everybody three questions. First, what would you consider your biggest success in life? Um, probably my kids, man. Yeah. Um, not that I have a lot of, you know, not that I, you know, they're their own people, but. Um, you know, we, we've, me and Raina have really, I think we've worked hard at being 
good parents and uh, my kids are just really good kids. So I, I would say that that's, that's probably my biggest success, you know, imparting um, who I am to them and watching them, you know, take that and mold that into who they are. Mm-hmm. Here's a, here's another question, not of the three, but there's another question. What, what is it that keeps Ryan Doss start up? At night? What keeps me up at night? Yeah. Um, Hmm. probably probably around my kids as well you know just concerned about them you know finding their path you know being being, uh you know being successful uh being happy really you know more more i tell my i tell both of them that being successful is not necessarily um, equate to be happy. And, uh, you know, if they can find happiness, then, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're going to be better off than, than just being, you know, financially or, you know, successful in a career, Yeah, so, you know, concerned that they, that they, you know, uh, might not find that or might, you know, experience speed bumps along the way, which I know is going to happen. That's all, you know, I don't know if it keeps me up at night, but that's definitely something that, you know, I think I worry about. Right. I got four of them and I'm constantly going like, all right, one of them is going to screw something up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know which one. They all seem like they're doing okay. But somebody somewhere along the right is going to marry the wrong person or is going to like take a wrong turn in college or, you know, make some mess and, you know, be ready for that. Someone's coming home for sure. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, those are the odds, right? Yeah. Now, uh, what would you say is your biggest failure in life and what do you think you learned from it? Biggest failure in life? Um, I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't know if I really look at, you know, it'd be easy for me to point to some of the decisions I made as a kid. Um, and say those were, you know, failures, but it's really hard to do that, you know, and, and again, at the risk of sounding cliche, it really did make me who I am. And those things still drive me to some degree. Um, so I, I'm going to kind of just punt on that one probably and say, you know, I, I, I don't think I've had, you know, uh, you know, any failures, you know, I, I've, I've made definitely made some decisions that, that caused the road to be rough for me, you know, and, and there, you know, I, I would say that, you know, I, I, if there's any real failure, it'd be, and, you know, I, I, my parents, I put my parents through a lot and mm-hmm. that is something I certainly regret. Um, yeah. something that I wish I had not, you know, I wish me learning my lessons didn't have such an impact on people that I love. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's something that I it definitely, you know, I, you know, I, I would say is the closest thing that I can think of. Yeah, man. Well, last question for you. Um, at some point down the road, you're going to pass away. And when you do, there'll be a funeral and someone will give you a eulogy. What do you think is the one thing that you hope someone says about you in your eulogy? Um, that I cared about people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, that, you know, that I cared about people, that I, that I did my best to uh, show that through my actions. Um, you know, the people that 
I'm, a, I'm an extremely, you know, I, I, I'm an extremely loyal friend. Uh, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people that I love, I will do anything for. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think that that's something that, you know, I tell Raina that, you know, when that happens, just, you know, have a giant party and tell stories about me. You know, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you know, and the thing is, is I think that you do care about people. And I think one of the things, you know, you, I have always, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, but like you're, there's, there's a lot of people at this firm, but there's only a few that I feel competitive with, you know, and I think it's a friendly competitive because you're so good at what you do. And I think the reason why you're so good at what you do is because you legitimately care about your clients. Yeah. Like every time I hear you talking about a case you're taking to trial, you are so fired up because you hate the way the insurance company is dealing with your client. I mean, yep. it, it's, and that's what it takes to lots of, there's lots of personal injury attorneys out there. Sure. You see them on every billboard on every freeway. Right. right. Yeah. But, but there, I think the reason why we do so well, like our firm is because legitimately everybody cares. Yeah. It's not just a dollar sign, you know, and, right. and, uh, I think that there are, especially in a case that we're taking a trial, we're invested. I mean, it's, yeah. this is, you know, the, the cause is ours and, uh, and we care about our clients, you know, and, and I think that that is what, I think that's what makes us so good. You know, yeah. doing this is because you, you know, you're just so emotionally invested and, and, uh, you know, you really want to see the best, you know, for this person that, you know, has trusted you has yeah. trusted you with their cause, you know? Uh, so, yeah. It's it. It's so true, man. Well, I dude, this has been great because we've known each other for a long time and I've never had like this long of a conversation about yeah. who you are. I learned a lot about you. I I knew, I knew I was like, there's something in his past. You know, I know he's, I know he's got some, he's got some skeletons. Yeah. There goes my there goes my political career aspiration. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Edmo podcast has ruined Ryan Dostart's political. But you know what though, I think that there's utility. Like seriously, I think that the, the thing is is uh, there's utility in people who have been able to turn it around because you're an example for a lot of people out there who don't think they can. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing the story. Um, for those who have listened, I hope you've gained something from it. You can find Ryan Dostart at Dryer Babbage, just like me. But I mean, Dostart, he did it again. <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, but you know, I mean, of course, if you're calling, you know, if you're calling for a car accident, you refer to me, not him. I, mean, I know he's great and all that. I know he's great and all that. But you know, you know. So, but uh, but anyway, that's another thing. I real quick before we leave is, man, I hope one day we can figure out a way to try a case together. You know what I mean? Me too, man. It's the one I, 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 it's the one I wouldn't say shortcoming, but it's the area that I think within our firm, within our group, we, we could really uh, expand on. And, and uh, you know, I, I totally agree. I mean, we're, we're all kind of, you know, we've got these cases and we kind of just get caught up in, you know, doing our own thing, but man, there's so much that can be learned through, co-trying these cases i i know there is you know yeah for people who don't know there's there's every every one of the named partners has kind of their own team and there's not a lot of crossover between the teams and like you know ryan's on the bob bucola team i'm on the roger dryer team we're kind of our own teams as partners now so we're kind of even a little branched off from that but because of the because you're an upstairs guy and i'm a downstairs guy 
we talk about our cases, but there's not a lot of crossover. I, I really hope that sometime we can get out there and work a case together and just see, learn. I'd love to learn from you guys the way you work. Cause we work, you know, we work, we work our cases differently. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make it happen one of these days. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. When we, when the hostile takeover happens. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. uh, So everybody who's listened, thanks for listening. Subscribe as always. We still got more fun stuff coming up. Ryan, thanks for, for coming on and indulging me. Thanks Josh.